Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a prompt from our listener, Seth, who has an email that sounds a little bit like this. How about a Land of a Thousand Suns prompt? Kind of the opposite of the Land of a Thousand Sunsets in that it's an always daytime on Tatooine sort of place with numerous suns of various sizes and distances blazing down depending on the season and time of day. How did it get that way? Who are the people that live here? Are they natives? How do they survive and or adapt? This could easily be a sci-fi or fantasy setting or even something in between. So Seth, thank you very much for submitting your prompt. And remember that if you want to submit your own prompt and have us build your world, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. So today we're going to dive right into it. Who wants to get us started with their first tenant? Should I should I wait to throw my curveballs until after we build stuff so I can break it? Or do you want me to start with a curveball? Start with a curveball. Do it up. All right. All right. I've got... One that's outrageous and one that's 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 kind of normal. So the first, I'll start with the outrageous one. So, I was gonna say I want to go outrageous right out the yeah. gate. Yeah, I was gonna say, and and as I say this, just take a deep breath because the end of the sentence will make you less afraid in particular, <laughs> Rob. Okay. So my t- is it my first... fear or rage that I'm going to experience? You'll, you'll have rage basically, but just wait till the end of the sentence. So or the the, the statement. So uh-huh. my first my first tenet is that in this setting there are no humans because there are only machines that are sentient. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that that I don't find anything wrong with that. That's that's not going to upset me at all. Okay. Good. I was worried that you were thinking like because even there's if, only dwarves. <laughs> no, even if it was like fit. Well, no, Chris isn't on this episode, so there's no way. <laughs> yeah. No, but even if it was like, hey, we're only doing fantasy races, I'm actually uh-huh. kind of cool with that. Like, I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, it, it's you know not my cup of tea, but I'll do it. That doesn't mean I'm going to do a dwarf episode, but still. <laughs> oh my god, that means patrons, patrons, you have to um, you have to lobby for a dwarf episode. Mm-hmm. It's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, I have a filtration system built in, so I don't think that's going to work, unfortunately. Um, but hey, if you you know what, if someone wants to become a patron and give us money just for the just for a dwarf like prompt, I mean, I I will I will take that. I will I will gladly take that, no problem. Um, so Daniel, why why machines and why humanoid robot machines here? Um, I got a um like Isaac Asimov vibe just from the description of the prompt and the images it gave in my head. And I was thinking back to like, um, you know, like iRobot and foundation and series where um, they're like thinking machines. And for some reason, I think with a, a place that has so many suns, maybe this environment isn't the sort of place that humanity thrives in, or maybe is no longer there or mm-hmm. has yet to arrive. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So my, my first question is of course, are these robots solar powered? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so, so that way it's like, hey, we're we're constantly at full energy because there's yeah. no nighttime, right? Mm, yeah. It seems like maybe they need the more suns, the better. <laughs> and then, of course, there's an implication that suggests that the only place that they would be powered down is underground or in some mm-hmm. sort of shade, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah, now, of course, makes me think that. This is a mining planet of some kind, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. 
we, I, I, that's not my tenant. I'm just spitballing here, but we'll we'll go from yeah. we'll, we'll we'll start somewhere else. Courtney, give us less of a curveball. Throw it right down the middle. Sure. So speaking of shade, um, I actually did have one related to a very dark place. Um, I was thinking about yes. <laughs> <laughs> was thinking about um, you know, of course, when you think of a planet that's has all these suns, you think desert, um, hot and dry. Mm-hmm. But I was started going in the direction of um, what if plants had evolved to actually take in all of the sunlight that they could manage and basically like just ballooned out from there mm. um, into this like giant mega rainforest that oh, covers cool. a huge portion of some area. I imagine it would be like around a body of water or next to one. Um, and so of course there's all these massive trees and whatever lives there. Um, and underneath the canopy, it would probably be like really, really dark. Um, cause you have these massive trees blocking all the sunlight. So it's essentially like walking into a cavern when you walk in there. Fascinating. Okay. So this is like the one place in the, in the entire planet that would be like dark, but mm-hmm. it's also a massive, are we talking like a continent sized, like jungle area that we're talking about here? Like a rain or a rainforest of some kind? Yeah. I mean, I could picture it being pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that the inversion of like, you know, the expectation of desert, but you've got this massive lush um, jungle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It subverts uh, it. So uh, I, I now have to come up with a new tenet, of course, because one of my tenets was I didn't want there to be a focused on arid and deserty type uh, terrain. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted a robust ecosystem. So uh-huh. uh, I'll, I'll have to think of something new. Um, Well, to actually um, kind of merge my and Daniel's ones together in a way, um, Daniel, you had mentioned like maybe humans had been there before and died out. mm -hmm. What if the rainforest is actually like their terraforming effort? And maybe it just got wildly out of control and grew far beyond what they expected it to. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the humans died out at some point. Yeah, I've got like a million ideas for that already. I know there's so many ways, places that yeah. go. Just questions like, where did the humans go? What happened mm-hmm. to them? What mistake mm-hmm. did they make? All those things. Yeah, right. And then, of course, when you have uh, robots, of course, mm-hmm. or, or humanoid robots, or you then, of course, have to think, well, how are they the remnants? Was there an uprising mm-hmm. of the robot variety? Mm-hmm. But that's lame. Let's not do that. Instead, yeah. mm-hmm. I like the idea that these like remnants of humanity use these robots as like um, a database essentially, or like a pool in which they can have individuality. Like they've basically downloaded their consciousness into these things. Um, mm-hmm. But there's like a fluidity with their physicality. So it's like they, they, they create new, you know, robot bodies. And then once that one dies, they basically put themselves back in the matrix and then wait for a new body to respawn or get Ooh, reformed. That's cool. Yeah, I like, I like that. There, I like the two ideas. They're like one that they have inherited humanity's collective consciousness, and two that they have like a physical reality and then like an afterlife uh, intermediary reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's it's. I, I guess with my 
Tenet basically dead in the water, or at least made redundant by Courtney's. I'm going <laughs> to go with my other one. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, I'm glad that we're like on the same page there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to actually introduce one of my, my, my major one, because this is the one that I wanted to get out kind of early so we can kind of paint the rest of the world with these shades in mind. Uh, it's a very simple tenet in that I want this to be a deeply horror themed setting because Mm. much like Daniel, I like twists. And of course, when you think of horror, you tend to think of darkness. You tend to think of like, you know, uh, Barovia basically. Right. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool and fun and interesting to do a sun drenched horror setting? Yeah, it's making absolutely. me think of um, Midsummer. what's that sci-fi movie? Is it sun sunset or sunshine? sunshine? Yeah, yeah, that one was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that movie. It was um, it was weird. Yeah, it went in a weird direction. Mm. Yeah, could you could you tell tell them a little bit about what it was? Sure. So it's um, it's set like in the future. Um, there was some what was it some like geoengineer or something oh, happened. The sun was the, dying. Right, the sun was dying, and a ship was sent from earth to go basically drop a nuke on the sun and like restart it because that's how it works definitely. yeah of course um yes and so it's, it follows this like crew that's been out there already traveling for a long time as they approach the sun and um gets oh i do know this yeah i do do and like in the third oh, spoilers for this movie yeah in the third act it's like you find out that the previous crew didn't actually like they were murdered by their captain or something like that yeah that's where it kind of goes off the rails and i wasn't yeah. wasn't really yeah, okay. into it after that yeah <laughs> but yes, have, but the I, reason why i think of it is the that was the bright scenes you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. also midsummer too that had a lot of yeah sunlight. yeah yeah yeah. i exactly like i want to see more of stuff like that so mm-hmm. for, for the for the next couple tenets let's remember that horror theme horror theme horror theme and I think that with Dan with with the previous tenants that we have already, I think that's very very doable. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm excited to see how else we can paint this in a horrific sense. Yeah, um, I mean, I had one that was going to get into weaponry. Um, so oh, do go on. So um, the idea of like using prisms or glass as a way to concentrate sunlight um, into like beams of energy oh, that God. can fry things, kind of like. The magnifying glass that can start Ooh. a fire but like really amplified uh-huh. um, or, or i was thinking like when you were not you but when daniel was a small child and he would like burn ants with magnifying glasses right. stuff exactly. like that i had ant farms i would never hurt i did for queens though that was illegal yeah daniel i i too had ant farms because yes, i was also a big great. ant nerd Yes, yes, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, all I wanted was a queen, and I could never get one. Oh. Same. It's, it's yeah. yeah, they're very difficult. And then, of course, when you're like, hey, mom and dad, can I order a queen off of the internet? They're like, they're like, no? What? Yeah, exactly. They look at they look at me like I'm some big fucking weirdo or something. Yep. I'm like, come on. I didn't know you um, liked ants. That's a, that's a conversation we have to have. Yeah, uh, so this podcast is now about ants. Um <laughs> But Courtney, like that, I, I like that idea because it means that you could have solar powered weapons that never yeah. run out of fucking energy. Right. Yeah. There's actually a, a weapon in um, Fallout New Vegas that's solar powered called Archimedes, um, mm-hmm. which I was thinking of when I thought of this idea. 
Um, and that's like a kind of giant laser beam type thing, but I could see it coming in all shapes and sizes. And to kind of draw on the horror element, it could also certainly be used for torture. That's yeah. That's what yeah, I was thinking of as yeah. well. That's why I brought up the ants. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. So we, I, I'm also thinking it's like it's just a good source of electricity as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you could have like arc reactors or you know like Tesla coils of some kind, but it's all, you know, it's all green. It's all. How does it factor powered. with the machines? Because the, so the robots, to be clear, I picture like. They're not like synth machines or like people that are human, like they're robots. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, like, what, are these weapons used among the robots against each other or is it like for a different purpose? Is this a story of genocide by the robots? Mm. Oh, you mean them killing others? I don't I feel like that's too played out, right? Uh, I mean, it's 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 a good question, but is it? Mm-hmm. Well, if because in my mind, this could just be like a a colonization story, right? Like humans trying to colonize a world and then they're in too deep, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, interesting. Maybe it could be like the robots trying to reclaim their bodies, like humans trying to reclaim their bodies from something else. But I'm not, uh, that's like a half-baked idea. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. it out on the fly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, the other question too is like, is the nature element opposed to the robots? Is it uh, aligned with, or are they completely separate things? I guess that's the first question. I, I would probably like to try and stay away from machine versus nature, considering yeah. that I feel like we just did that idea back with uh, the undercommon taste. Guys. So maybe they can be aligned in some way. Hmm. Or, or maybe it's just, it doesn't necessarily have to be directly adversarial so much mm-hmm. as, this is a thing that exists, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. we established that the humanity is not in the picture anymore, but they're in the picture in the sense that they're like spiritually linked to these machines mm-hmm. through their history. Yeah. And we know that the, the, or Courtney, you said that the nature element may have been something caused by humanity, whether mm-hmm. inadvertently or inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A terraforming uh, mm-hmm. experiment. Yeah. So, yeah. What if, um, so given that like the human consciousness is in these machines, what if, I mean, over time, almost in a sort of solitary confinement, those consciousnesses start to kind of lose it and mm-hmm. get a little nuts and like um, lose their grip on reality, which is amplified, of course, by having to live in like a robot body. That's where the like torture horror aspect comes in. Okay. So maybe it's machine versus machine. Like mm-hmm. maybe some of the disturbed machines are also um, not only there's the torture happening psychologically, but maybe they're actually against each other. Like some of them are psychopaths or killers and whatever. So I'm trying to figure out what the main conflict of this planet would be. Mm-hmm. Is this, and, and I suppose because well, in I'm my mind, uh, I, I'm sure you do, Daniel. But in my mind, right, the way that I'm initially imagining this planet is a somewhat untamed planet, but we don't necessarily have to approach it that way. We could have empires and, you know, entire nations uh, on this planet, you know, and I think that might be an interesting way that we can approach this, where instead of a desolate planet, they're like colonized or, you know, because they're humans came here to terraform obviously right 
And so when the robots kind of gained sentience, that's when they started to create their own empires, my guess. And so maybe that's where we can kind of get into interest. Okay. See, again, I keep, I keep drifting because I keep having these weird ideas. Like maybe there's only a set number of humans on this particular, you know, who are in these robots, which means that there's only a certain number of robots in total. Which the means that ex- I want to. The only thing I want to like, avoid, though, is like, I, I I don't mind human beings being in the background historically, but mm-hmm. my tenets about these are not humans. Mm, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They're robots. Right. Okay. Well, well, I mean, what I, I suppose my question then to you, Daniel, is what kind of story are you trying to tell when it comes to robots by taking humanity out? Yeah. And by having just robots be in the setting, what do you what do you give us to work with in terms of conflict and desire and ambition? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't mean to say like human elements are missing. Just that like I don't want humans to be like puppeteering the robots, so to speak. Yeah. Like in a, in a way, like I would like the the robots, even if they are human like, to be the actual protagonists. So how do we make that happen? And how do we make it so they're not just humans in robot suits? Because you know, my major qualm with all fantasy races is that they're just humans. So Mm -hmm. let's, if we're going to do this, I have to do it right, Daniel. So we got to workshop, what's their motivation then? That's different than humans. That's alien to humans. Like we, as humans, you know, we have a handful of motivations built into us. Like we like telling stories. We're very social. Um, and we want to procreate, right? Because right. we can really argue with those three things, perhaps, right? Right. So, so what do robots offer us in return? Maybe um, I can also, give you a tenant that would help. Well, if you have one, go right ahead. But I also would, I would like to throw this out there as well. Maybe because you said that there's just no humans and it's all about the robots. Do we have to make it so there's not any other sentient life besides the robots? Is that part of your tenet as well? No, I think that that there could be other sentient life. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, hit me with your second tenet. What is it? So my second tenet pertains to your question about conflict, which might help. Um, And the prompt said there is multiple stars in the system. Like there's a trinary, quaternary, multiple stars. Yeah, multiple suns. Yep. Yeah. So I'm thinking one of those stars is a red supergiant. So it's a star that's already really huge. So one of the really giant ones. And as we know, the larger stars are, or the more massive they are, the shorter their lifespans. And so this one, I want to be a red supergiant, meaning that it only has a few hundred thousand to a million years to exist before it explodes in a supernova. Okay. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, if we're a million years away, then that doesn't really affect our story, does it? Oh, I mean, in, it's in total lifespan as opposed to a star having like 4 billion years to work with. So I don't know where we are in its life cycle, but it only had 100,000 to a million years to work with total. Oh, I gotcha. So we could be pretty close to the end at this point. Yeah. All right. So why don't we cut out the boring shit, which is the 100,000 to a million years. <laughs> I'm sorry, 100,000 to 909,000, et cetera, years <laughs> and make it so we are now in the last, what, yeah. decade? Yeah. So like we're that. in the last decade of this star's life and right. everyone knows it. So let's yeah. start there. I think that's a better starting point for sure. Exactly. So maybe okay. that will help you about the question of robot intentions. I don't know. <laughs> 
So, I mean, well, ultimately, wouldn't the robots just want to, I mean, do they want to continue surviving? What's the, what's the intent behind the robots, I guess? What's, what's their ambition? I guess it, if they're going to have alien ambitions, maybe they don't want to flee and they want to face the supernova in some way. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Courtney, help us out here. Yeah, as far as like thinking about robots as like logical and interested in research and science, like, yeah, maybe they do want to see and experience that moment as like research in a way, even though they won't survive after it. Okay. Maybe that maybe the acceleration of this star, maybe the death of this star has been accelerated by the robots. And mm. maybe yeah. maybe their purpose is to cause extinction level events and to observe oh. them in some way. Yeah. So they created that this was a normal mm. star they turned into a red supergiant that then they to a, to a supergiant that then they caused to go red. I like that. They want the supernova to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they're observing this planet to see what its effects are. Mm -hmm. They're, they're essentially just like really curious scientists, but with absolutely no morals for any human or, or Mm -hmm. any life in general. That's what I want. I like that because now you've got these beings that they, they, they have the curiosity that humanity has, but it's such a strange extreme that they're their own thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, oh, that's All messed right. up. I like that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm liking this mm-hmm. as well, uh, it, because again, I was thinking, well, how do we add in my horror element? And yeah. what is more horrifying than the cold nothingness of steel and circuitry? Right? It's fucked up. Okay, so we have we have a planet that is being observed because these these weird fuckers. Oh, actually, hold on. Wait a minute. Sorry. You know how we were saying that the humans are kind of in the background of these robots? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can just make them um, prisoners within the mm-hmm. machines. Yes. So yes. Their, their consciousness is trapped within these machines. Maybe, oh, maybe that's what happened. Is maybe what happened is uh, these robots, right, were supposed to be inhabited by human minds. They were supposed to be colonists. They were supposed to be, you know, terraforming this planet in order to get it ready for inhabitation. And then something happened where the, where it no longer worked. And so the humans can still see and hear and experience everything that inside of their robot bodies, but they're completely held prisoner by these, like my, by the, by the machines themselves. Wow. I love that. That's like That's get awesome. out in a way. Mm-hmm. It's it's horrifying. Yeah. Like I- imagine like being a prisoner in your own body. Like that is just ugh. yeah. That also yeah. makes me think of the for some reason thematically it connects me to the jungle because now I see the jungle as this place to hide from the robots and hide from them and, and escape. Mm-hmm. And perhaps like I don't know, maybe like not all the robots are because they're curious creatures. Like so maybe some of them are in tune, a handful are in tune with the prisoners they have and they've decided to flee from the larger society and go into the jungle and mm-hmm. in the jungle there's not light like underneath the canopies of it and so maybe it allows the human consciousness to take hold of those machines oh yeah at the cost of like physical weakness mm-hmm. or even mortality yeah because now the machine doesn't have enough power to run but the human mm-hmm. consciousness is, is, is overlaying it mm-hmm 
That's fascinating. Like, and so, and so there's obviously this like kind of weird ballet that those who are in control have to keep in mind where every time they go and recharge their solar battery, there is a chance that that robot consciousness takes over again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or or it could, I mean, it's, or, and, and it could be, it could be too that maybe those robots had a com communication with their consciousness, the human consciousness inside of them and the human promised them death. And so they've journeyed into the jungle. So they, their minds can di finally die because the robots are immortal and the human consciousness takes over that robot body. But now it's weak because it has no solar power. Hmm. So you could have an, a, robot, a human robot uprising. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I suppose my question now becomes, is this rebellion really trying to stop the extinction of this planet? Because it's, it's basically already been written that it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's irreversible at this point. So mm -hmm. is this really just about saving the humans that are left or is it about something else? Hmm. I, yeah, I, it's a good question because I feel like I don't want it to become a narrative where it's like, okay, the humans are trying to resist the robots and it's Agreed. the underdogs, mm -hmm. you know, like that's just a boring story. I think um, the more horrifying idea and the mm -hmm. more thematically appropriate concept would be the humans understand they are in a hopeless situation mm -hmm. and thus it, it much like life, it's all about creating your own meaning. So yeah. you're a prisoner within this metal shell and then what you do once you gain consciousness is entirely up to you. So some people, I mean, but they all understand the rebellion is, is like True. impossible. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's then, I suppose the story then becomes, what do you do when you have no hope, but you have consciousness, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. And they're I free in the jungle now. So it's a kind of a right. metaphor to be in the woods. Like, what do you do in the woods? Or, or I mean, it's also a, a bit of a, you know, it's a, uh, it's a cave metaphor. You know, yeah, like exactly. That philosophical idea. And uh, I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can see some annihilation vibes. You know, you're going into the freaking weirdo jungle. You don't, you're <laughs> in a body you don't even understand that was never yours. Mm -hmm. And you know the world is ending. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you can't stop it. There's also like another existential dread element of like, what if these robots had been used on other planets? So mm -hmm. these people know that this might be happening everywhere yeah. and that maybe humanity as a whole is just being overtaken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I, I'm very curious about that concept because in my mind, it's not about preventing their own death. Mm. It's preventing the deaths of others by stopping these robots from continuing on to another planet. Mm. Yeah. You know, in that way, we can have a cool rebellion story without it being about like saving their own selves, right? Right. Mm. Well, and the and the robots they see this as, as a form of transcendence, right? Like, or always understanding that they're destroying them. They're they're witnessing and causing these destructions to gain mm. knowledge that's unattainable, yeah. right? I, See, in, in my mind, I wouldn't even have them classify it as ascendance. It is mm -hmm. merely uh, data gathering more right. than anything It's just else. understanding, you know? Right. Like we don't, we could, for all we know, these machines might be connected in ways that defy known physics. So like mm -hmm. one set of them is completely eradicated by the supernova, but then others elsewhere in the universe gain that knowledge. 
that and that's my yeah. thinking that because yeah. that's why i think like if we have them connected mm-hmm. that is something that humans can fight against at the very least right they understand they can't fight against this extinction mm-hmm. but maybe the maybe the last vest- vestiges of humanity it's not about winning it's right. about preventing the, that data from going forward which again planting an idea in their consciousness you know Oh, that's the, so, so now we're getting into an inception level event, which yeah. is also rather yeah. interesting. Oh yeah. Cause the journey in the jungle could be a metaphor for like journey into the dark of their, their logical consciousness and planting a concept. Are you suggesting that this is some sort of heart of darkness, Daniel? Mm. Yes. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I you know who else liked it? School. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say every high school English teacher. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe, okay. maybe like if you, there's so many ways you could take this, like when we start thinking about like, how do you plot hook this? But like, you know, the jungle might not actually exist. It might only be a fiction in the minds of those awakened, you know, in those bodies for all we know. I would like to try and stay away from metaphors for Eden if possible. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, it'll yeah. be Eden, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's mm-hmm. like a journey of the mind in a sense, which would be weird. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, did everyone get through their tenets? Yeah. I did both of mine. Okay. Oh, okay. Actually, can we circle back to Courtney's tenet about the laser guns? I mean, oh, yes, we need to solve that. Right. Because we yeah. do need to, in what way is this particularly horrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how can we make sure that this is just really brutal and awful now? Because that's what I'm interested in. Hmm. Well, what are some of the elements of it? We know the machines are powered by the sun and so is the jungle. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that this is the only way that you can feel pain. Oh. Mm. Like that's, that's because that's the only reason that this thing would be a threat. It's not the idea that your body is being destroyed because they're robots. Who cares about that? Like right. you're not feeling that even the humans inside aren't feeling that. Mm-hmm. So in, in this way, it's got to be that Oh dear God! This this sun weapon, it destroys me, sure, but worse, it causes me pain, which is like illogical and terrifies the robots. And also because humans are trapped inside, they can probably feel it in a different way. Who mm-hmm. made these weapons then? Maybe the natives did. Oh, the aliens. Maybe they, are there aliens in the jungle? Well, the so the jungle. If it was a terraforming thing. Then that would have been there after the natives had evolved, right? Mm-hmm. Unless they're really ancient. Yeah. I mean, these weapons—we—the weapons use the, their power by the sun, or they use the sun's energy to cause pain. Is it they global? use the sun's energy. I was picturing like prisms that focus uh-huh. sunlight intensely. Mm. And I, I'm wondering—I just wonder, like. Is this like a, a weapon that is used? It can be used against the machines, or do they also use them? Like, who uses these weapons? These are all excellent questions. I'm very oh. curious to hear Courtney's answers. Uh, yeah. no, it's all on me now. Come on, it's your baby. <laughs> okay. Um, returning to the whole like cold logical research mindset, like, what if that's also something that they're studying is pain and. Oh. Um, that's why they're using these weapons. That is actually really horrifying because what's scarier than cold, unfeeling robots 
cold, unfeeling robots that are obsessed with pain. <laughs> so the, and the lasers allow them to focus the light in such a way that it can cause them pain. Mm -hmm. Since the suns give them energy, this could be like an overload kind of thing. Mm -hmm. mm, so I was thinking. I, I, yeah, I was also thinking like it's it's you're just channeling a frequency that, you know, we would other, you know, instead of a UV ray or like heat necessarily it's something else you know mm. that's suffering ray <laughs> <laughs> suffering band <laughs> above light <laughs> right well i mean it's it to, to, to the robots that's essentially yeah. what it would be yeah but mm -hmm. to us it's like a gamma ray that we don't even feel because we're constantly you know bombarded uh -huh. by it or something mm. like that then i could see this becoming a very like i have no mouth but i must scream kind yeah. of thing we're yeah we're we're, we're deep in that territory that, yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. the harlan thing Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I also like the idea of like, okay, you know, if you're a robot or you're a human in the robot consciousness, the robot machine, like that really sucks because you're a prisoner. But then if you're like kind of wake up or and you're carrying yourself along with the robot into the jungle, who the fuck knows what's in that jungle? And yeah. you're going to face different misery because now you don't have the light and mm. you're in this body that's not your own and you can't really, you're suffering in it too. So it's like, there's no escape on either side. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that the jungle is safe, though, compared to the rest of the world. I find that idea to be more interesting to me because, like I said before, the typical idea is the darkness is the danger. Mm -hmm. And in this world, I'm trying to avoid that because it's sun, sun everywhere. So let's try and figure out. So they're safe from the pain, like the, the, the pain that the robots are causing to each other through the light weapons, for sure. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. So it's like a different kind of misery, I guess. You know? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it you certainly would. Maybe that's why they flee initially is because they get away from the pain and they think it's a safe place. But then they realize without the light, without the pain, they feel nothing. Mm. Mm. Actually, this is kind of interesting because there's now a reversal of the expedition idea mm -hmm. where you're now traveling into the sunlight where it's dangerous, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're exposing yourself. In all, not, not only like, your humanity, but also just if robots see you and they're like, oh, you're very clearly human, you know, like we can tell, you know, like you're exposing yourself to being hunted and then being, you know, burned by these sun weapons even more. Oh, man. Yeah. This would be a cool that, movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking I'm like, this is an incredibly fucked up setting and I'm really <laughs> digging it, you know, and, and, and if we were running it as an RPG, I would imagine that, you know, as you're running expeditions into the sunlight, then there's all sorts of mechanics where you can potentially lose your humanity yeah. or lose control within the within the robot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you could design some really weird characters too, because you'd you'd be working with like this post cyberpunk kind of character, right? That could be all kinds of strange configurations. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, I think we're at the end of the tenets. And I think it's time that we transition into running a little bit of a world building jam. How do you, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and create our anchor. And for that, I've got to pull up my sheet. I could see um, the human ghost inside of you being called your shade because it's like, you know. Oh yeah, that's great. Soul, but also yeah. darkness, you know. Mm. All right, so the subject of our anchor is going to be an event. Okay. And the tr the theme that we're going with for this event is going to be love. 
Interesting. <laughs> this event, spurred on by love, is going to be an anchor point in the story. We have a bunch of disparate ideas that I don't think go along with love. So how do we make this happen? Any ideas? BDSM. You know, I what I had some some Hellraiser ideas in there. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I mean, do we Wait a want to avoid the pain angle? So we're good. Are these robots just creepy sex robots? That's what I was gonna ask. Like, are oh, we just gonna no. avoid the pain sex Can, thing? Yeah. No. Okay, we need to avoid creepy sex robots because right. that's close. That's too close to Hellraiser, Hellraiser. at yeah. all. So let's not. Maybe let's not focus on the pain and the BDSM mm-hmm. aspect of it, shall we? Yeah, it's too easy. Agreed. Mm. Okay. Okay. Hear me out. Love is somehow related to the release of the human consciousness in some way. Mm-hmm. Release so, as in the, like taking back control or? Yes. It, okay. It's, it's mm. how they take back control. Mm-hmm. Something that is something involving love awakens the human side within them because robots are obviously incapable of love. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe there's some kind of thing that we can roll with here where love is the thing that will set humans free, or maybe at least that was the first time. And that's the event that we can kind of figure out. Could it, could it be the very first time that a quote unquote shade um, gets incorporated into a robot's consciousness? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be like romantic love. It could be familial love. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was thinking that. Yeah. Like maybe even triggered by somehow like human consciousnesses of family members, like recognizing each other in a way, even though they're in different, robotic bodies oh that's neat. and that sort of brings out all these memories that they had mm-hmm. kind of lost oh i can do a horror twist on that i don't know okay. how uncomfortable the horror twist would be like it could be that two family members who um in the past had harmed each other and mm-hmm. when the two machines are practicing their pain therapies on each other they awaken those memories oh i you know i had a similar idea daniel and mm-hmm. i i I like the idea. I, I It creeps me out. Yeah. Um, I actually had a, a little bit of a different twist, though, where instead of, you know, them enacting it on one another, it's they were, you know, they were observing someone be, being, you know, uh, tortured, essentially, yeah. I suppose mm-hmm. what we're going with. And then that elicits such a great, em, you know, empathic response. That's what causes or allows that robot to... Or, or that human to kind of the shade, as you call it, Daniel, to break free and gain control again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. That's like the originator. And then I think that you could even go, I mean, if you wanted to bring back to horror or perhaps even more tragedy, we could then circle back and be like, well, they see the, you know, they see their loved one being tortured and then that awakens something within them. But the loved one is still, you know, trapped within that shell. And so they try and save that robot. They try and save that loved one, but the other one just doesn't feel anything because it's not there yet, you know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Is that is that it? Did we nail it? Is there, or or were, you, were you thinking about more stuff? I could also see there being some sort of like 
additional psychological element of what happens when it's awakened for the first time and it suddenly has control of the body. Like, I imagine that would be really disorienting Mm -hmm. to suddenly be able to, like, control your movements again after so long being, like, stuck inside of this thing. Yeah, there's, like, a mental atrophy aspect to it. Yeah. I could see um, that person that has then awakened um, out of love for those it knows are in the other machine starts killing them all. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you have a love-based serial killer, love-driven serial killer that is a machine. See, I'm going to push back on that, I, I think. I, I, I think that's a less interesting idea than what we could otherwise potentially do. You know what I mean? Although I think the idea of mercy killing is an interesting one. I don't want to discount that. I think that we can certainly take that idea. Yeah, I don't mean to supplant the other idea, but that would be a, right. a path you could take. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I'm sure that it's happened at least once before, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, you could even see it as like saying, like, I, and I, I feel like I'm going full 80s with this concept, but cyber psychosis. Right. right? That's what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where maybe there's, you know, these sentient or now sentient uh, robots within the jungle who see everyone who's like you're trapped within it you're trapped in a cage i'm just freeing you that's what i mean you can have this like 80s kind of like spin on it where it's like the detective or the who's investigating these murders he's a robot and (laughs) and the the people who were murdered are robots and it's like why is this this other robot killing all of my friends you know and trying to figure this out and it turns out he has a psychosis and he goes to the psychology of like killing your own kin because you believe they're not who they really are and all that Mm. Mm. I mean, there's a bunch of different options that we can yeah. play with here. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I'm picturing like tin box kind of robots, like the ones that they, they look like your classic 50s robots with like a hat on in this case, <laughs> you know, and a, a, a corduroy vest, but they're otherwise chrome. <laughs> so you're, you're basically just trying to do like um, a Humphrey Bogart movie, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Okay. I like it. Understood. Uh, I mean, I think that that's going to nail it, guys. I don't think that we can. Well, well, actually, that's not true. Is there anything that we want to touch on one last time before we roll for the twist? One thing I do want to kind of think about real quick is um, what does what does civilization look like? Because these robots, they don't require food or water. I mean, do they have homes? Are there cities? Are there buildings like what does that look like because that's one thing that i'm kind of struggling with right now i feel like they wouldn't have a society that's recognizable to us in the physical world but perhaps in their matrix world there's a there's a structure that would be compatible with the with the reader you know so that has metaphors for the things we understand but i think it would be interesting if the actual physical world is this unrecognizable structure that doesn't make sense to humans. Can we, so can we have an, an otherwise untouched planet mm-hmm. and then have these giant massive chrome spikes Ooh. that are like mm. essentially Wi-Fi hubs for yeah, these things or like, like that. homes yeah. where they come back to or, or places that they come back to. Some weird like that. Yeah. Because yeah. like, like I want something that look when a human looks at this stuff now that there are humans but they look at it they'll be like what the fuck is this? That's what I want that kind of response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see it also having like an element of just collecting a lot of stuff since they're so yeah. interested in research and data collection. Mm-hmm. 
but collecting like actual physical things and storing them in whatever bizarre way they managed to come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most efficient mm-hmm. way, whatever that would be. Yeah, I mean, to borrow yeah. a kind of a cliche, but it would be interesting in this context. Mm-hmm. Right, but I mean, they're they're all going to destroy them anyway. Mm-hmm. So I suppose yeah. that there's less of an emphasis. Maybe it's, maybe we can reconcile that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they're, they're, they're data collecting, right? That's yeah. what they're doing. What's the purpose of that? Oh, maybe they convert. So, you know, you find some object to study. You don't need the physical object. You just need a map of its data. So there could be huge mm. like landfills throughout this world, just full of stuff that they've collected and discarded so they can oh, load yeah. the data into their nodes. Interesting. I like that, yeah. And and when you say uh, stuff, my brain immediately said carcasses. Um, <laughs> all the life that was on this world at some point. Yes. Um, that's oh, that's actually... Here. Even yeah. more horrifying now because mass graves. Yeah. Remember at the very beginning when I said, is this a genocide story? And you were that like, nah. guess this what? Way, yes. Yeah, it is now. I like yeah. that. And it could yeah. be the piles, not only of corpses, but of cities and mm-hmm. civilizations that they've just processed, you know, vegetation, animals, yeah. sentient life, non-sentient life, rocks. Yeah minerals technology everything yeah, yeah. is mm-hmm. is the jungle encroaching on these landfills and growing through and despite it i could see that being cool like absorbing all the life the that used to be there yeah yeah mm-hmm. so just giant it's a giant wasteland of just junk and then nodes everywhere yes yeah yeah exactly all right, I think that's I think that's I think that's where we're gonna wrap it up. I think that's get I think that's good. I think we're gonna go ahead and roll for the twist. And dear God, I hope. Oh my God, there's so many bad ones that we could get here, guys. Romance. Uh, oh, They're not no. We don't have it was aliens, right? That's not on there anymore. Uh, what was that? It was aliens. Isn't on there anymore? Please. I think that's been used. Oh God. But God. there's some really bad ones, y'all. I'm just saying. They're all dwarves. That's the okay. <laughs> Rolling, rolling for the twist. Well, that's just redundant. Okay. <laughs> the twist is now make everything grim dark. Guys, uh, we fucking already did make everything yeah, grim it dark. Is this grim episode dark. is 45 minutes of us making the setting grim <laughs> dark. Um, you know what? We're going to keep this twist. And we're going to find a way to make it even more grim. More grim dark? Oh my yes. God. Just I'm not right giving up, up on this twist, God damn it. Wow. This, this is how it's going to be. It's on the list. It's getting done. And just so happens that there's a little bit of overlap. You know what? Fuck it. And if you guys want to see how we make this grim dark world even grim darker, then you're going to have to listen to next episode of World Build with us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always send us an email at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or you can send us a tweet over at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come and join our community over on Discord, there's a link for that in the description. And if you think we're super fucking cool, or if this is a weird spite thing for you, you can always donate money to our Patreon. Link for that also in the description. Okay, this has been a hell of an episode. Remember that we love you very much. A big thank you to Seth for coming up with this prompt. And we're going to make it through this together until next time.